Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Hour number two of FST. Day edition, the divisional playoff edition. I don't know that we have to keep renaming it. It's game day. It's game time. It's game day. Right? What are we going to do? So, uh, joined as always by Scott Engel and Jim Day. Good to be with these guys. The award nominated Jim Day and Scott Engel. Scott's already in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't really need any more awards. I'm sure it'd be nice to put another one on mantle, but. I'll take in- some more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Greedy son of a. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to, to keep uh, piling Stop up trophies. Me. So, all right. So, uh, you know, quick recap of yesterday. I mean, the fantasy stars yesterday, since we're on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, uh, Damian Williams, CJ Anderson, good day out of Travis Kelsey, um, Todd Gurley, obviously having a good day too. It, it's not, it's not what you would expect to see from the Rams because they have two guys that put up. Huge fantasy outputs. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, I, I should say him as well. Uh, so those are really the guys, right, uh, Jim, uh, from yesterday? Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, all the, all the quarterbacks were total duds yeah. come to fantasy. Yeah. None of them did a, a good job fantasy-wise. So if you were counting on them in, in your DFS lineups or in your playoff leagues, they kind of screwed you yesterday. Yeah, I think the Saints players could end up carrying the day here, Scotty. Yeah, they, they 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 probably can, you know, especially like, you know, when you're looking at daily, daily lineups. But uh, Drew Brees, though, he, down the stretch, he hasn't. He, he, I think people like overlook this a lot. He didn't throw more than one touchdown pass in his last four games. So if if I'm running a stack with the Saints, it's probably like Kamara and Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I you know I I I had a couple of lineups with that yesterday. I changed so many things around because. Salaries are getting a little difficult to fit in there. You know, I tried my Naeem Hines and Josh Reynolds uh, tactics. We'll see. So I have some Kamara and Thomas lineups out there without Breeze, to your point. But I did use Pat Mahomes, so I spent a lot of salary on a guy to get 18 uh, DraftKings points, or just barely 18 DraftKings points. So uh, I, I feel bad because uh, George Kurtz and I talked Joe Galina out of using Michael Gallup because we thought Josh Reynolds oh, was a better no. play. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Joe. Jeez, <laughs> listening to you guys for can't uh, always get it right. <laughs> All right, so so that that's it really. I mean, we're I mean in the next hour, uh, I think we're gonna have one of the Daily Roto guys on. I'll be doing lineup lock live with Corey Parson and Gabe Marenzi. Uh, are you guys around tonight doing fantasy football rewind? I believe so. Yes. I haven't are. heard anything else. Eight to yeah. ten. You know, schedules start to change around this time of year, but I think today's a standard Sunday schedule. So ten to one, and then Corey and Gabe will be here from 
uh, one to four watching that AFC championship game, or AFC divisional playoff game between the Chargers and Pats. And then Joe Galena and George Kurtz and Cam Stewart jump on for the second part of that to watch Eagle Saints. And then these guys will be here to recap both games. So uh, give it a listen. I'm sure it'll be entertaining tonight as these guys get a chance to walk through. Hopefully the points, the DFS and uh, fantasy points bonanza uh, that uh, we're looking down at. So I I got a trivia question for you guys. I know you love this. So can you tell me what quarterback has the highest postseason passer rating in NFL history? Nick Foles. Highs. That is right. That is right, Jim Day, right out of the gate. Nick Foles, 105.2. Drew Brees, who holds a 100.7 passer rating, also is in the top five in postseason history. Uh, Can you name – so Nick Foles is first. Drew Brees is fifth. Can you name the guys that are second, third, and fourth? Might as well keep going with this trivia. Postseason passer rating. Tom Brady is not in the top five for passer rating. Really? Yeah. Um, Surprised me, too. It's a minimum of 150 uh, attempts, just so you get a baseline. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think it's there, but Eli Manning? No. Nah, he can't be there. Um, I'll go with his brother, Peyton? No. Damn. Two of these guys are in the Hall Repeat of Fame. Repeat the question again. Passer rating. Postseason passer rating. NFL history. Yeah. Nick Foles is Joe first. Montana? Drew Brees is fifth. Good guess. And Joe Montana does not make the top five. Who are the other wow. three? Scott. The other three. And uh, you said two of them are in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Two of them are in the Hall of Fame. One is John Elway? No. Kurt Warner? What is yes, there you go. That's number three, Kurt Warner. Uh, one, one of the guys is active. Is one is a retired Hall of Famer. Long retired. Ben Roethlisberger? No. Wow. If you watch the Seattle Super Bowl, and Super Bowl 43, you'd realize that his passer rating is not going to get up there. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to come up with names here. I got you. Um, Russell Wilson? Uh, no. I'll give you, uh, Scott, one more guess, and then I'm going to reveal the answers. Active, right, you yeah. said? Yeah, one active, uh, one long-retired Hall of Famer. One active. Aaron Rodgers? No. The, the active player is Matt Ryan. At 100.8, oh, right, right, uh, 20 yeah. touchdowns to seven picks. The other one is Bart Starr, uh, who Nick uh, Foles yeah, is just edging that. right now. He's got a 104.8. He had 15 touchdowns and three uh, interceptions in his postseason history. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Bart Starr, the answer there. So, all right, let's turn the page over to the NFC game today. This is the one. Can, with, wait, can, I, can I make one more point sure. real quick about Nick Foles? And yeah. I, I got to give the credit to this to Evan Silva of Roto World. But if if you give Nick Foles a pass for the one year he had yeah, with I saw that stat. the yeah. great 8-8 eight eight Jeff Fisher, over the fast, past five seasons with playoffs included, Foles has 65 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, and a 25-7 and seven record. How much did Jeff Fisher screw this guy's career over? I mean, true, but I also have, I'm also of the mindset that you don't take that away. That is part of his history. A bad coach put this guy in bad ways every every which way on Sunday, and then never really got a chance to be a starter again. Pretty sure he screwed this guy's career over. <laughs> well, you know, Foles, Foles plays a part in that too. Though he's the one out there throwing the passes, and after Foles had that great season with Philly to begin his career, he stuck the next year. 
Um, so and I so I chimed in on that thread, Jim. Um, yeah, the sixty-five twenty-one a twenty-five and seven record. So somebody asked, can we compare that to Lux? Approximately five healthy seasons. How does Foles stack up? So you're, if you're forgiving the injury plague twenty fifteen season that Andrew Luck had, obviously he missed uh, an entire season last year as well. So in his five full seasons, his record would be fifty one and twenty eight, with one hundred fifty six touchdowns and seventy one interceptions. So granted, he played more games, but you start comparing percentages and touchdown to interception ratio, and Foles' record looks pretty good. I totally concur with what you're saying, Scott. You can't absolve him of poor play just to make the stats look better. But I think some might say that Jeff Fisher was kind of going through the motions. He wasn't helping the team offensively, et cetera. It's a narrative well, created Jeff, by Jeff, adjusting Jeff stats. Fisher does play into it, yeah. but, you know, Nick Foles gets some of the blame there too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's focus on this game uh, in which Nick Foles and Andrew Brees, two of the top five postseason passer rating quarterbacks of all time, are playing. Uh, obviously, no secret that the Saints won this game uh, last time they played, forty-eight to seven. The Eagles have gone six and one since. Is that right? Maybe seven and one now. Uh, it's six and one since, I believe. So yeah, I think there's yeah, six and one. Yeah, yeah. So Saints are six and two at home in this year. Eagles are five and four on the road. Uh, according to Scott's article, New Orleans ranked third in points scored during the regular season, and Philadelphia was 12th in points allowed. So there's a whole bunch of stats we can get after, but the overarching thing here, Scott, is that the Eagles defensively in the secondary were brutal for much of the year. And clearly, while Drew Brees hasn't been as impactful later in the season, this isn't secondary that he can take advantage of, correct? Yeah, you know, it's an injury-thin secondary, and I don't think the Bears really had the quarterback or the weaponry to take advantage of this. And the Saints have much more offensive balance and I think more offensive talent than uh, than, than, than Chicago did. Uh, Alvin Kamara could certainly beat them. But when you're talking about catch, catching passes out of the backfield, uh, you know, the stats point to Kamara Maven having a huge day. Philadelphia average allowed 110 re- receptions to running backs, the second highest total in the league. And then you look at Michael Thomas against that secondary. They're going to move him around in the first meeting. He had four catches for 92 yards. So they, they could certainly take advantage. And Ted Ginn Jr. came back up. Uh, who came back in week 16 and had a really good game. He was rested last week. He's going to be a popular DFS player among savvy fantasy owners and participants. And you look at the huge game Traquan Smith had against them last time. You know, this this team's ripe for the picking defensively. And I think, conversely, what it does on the other side of the ball is the Eagles have no running game. That's going to put a lot on the shoulders of Foles. And he seems capable of it, but he's going to have to carry the offense all on his own. And I think it's just too much to ask on the road. And I think the magic ends this week. Yeah, so Jim, uh, right, just, right now, I, I let me just set up the game for you. Uh, so the Saints are right now eight point favorites. Uh, Philadelphia is plus three twenty on the money line. This is a fifty one and a half uh, total. So obviously some points expected to be scored here. Um, so I'll set that up for you. Go ahead, comment. Okay. Well, I, to go back to Ted Ginn and, and you know when he did come back in week sixteen off coming off the IR, uh, saw eight targets in the twenty. 20- 20% share in his first game back, uh, five receptions, 74 yards in that game, um, 
almost 46% of the snaps he played. And Traquan Smith against the Eagles when they had the big blowout, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 157 yards, and a touchdown in that game. And, you know, with Ted Ginn there, like Scott said, a lot of people are going to own him at DFS, and I'm one of them. I just think he's in line to have a great game here, especially when you're looking at, you know, Eagle starting corners of Avante Maddox, Razul Douglas, and Craven LeBlanc. Um, you know, I, I think all these guys are susceptible to being beat. So, you know, I understand that Breeze hasn't had the best second half of the season as they went more run-heavy, defense got better, you know, all that stuff that played into what happened to him last year. But I just think in this game, on this field, at home, uh, he's going to be able to throw the ball against his defense. And it's really going to come down to whether or not the Eagles' front four can get at Breeze at all. If they can give pressure to him, maybe they have a chance. If Breeze is allowed to stay back there and have time to pick apart this defense, he's going to rule this game. He was nearly perfect last time they played. He went 22 of 30 for 363 with four scores of 153 passer rating i mean on the flip side carson wentz was a quarterback for philly last time out and he was awful 19 of 33 for 156 he threw three picks so he contributed to them getting crushed and it was a onslaught throughout too it wasn't that they put up 35 in the first half and took their foot off the gas it was they scored 10 points in the first 14 in the second 14 in the third 10 in the fourth like they did they just kept their foot on the gas all the way throughout um you know, because that was a time where the Saints were on a crazy roll. Uh, they were not interested in losing any games at that point of the year. They were going for home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which they captured. Um, the other players for the Saints last time around, Mark Ingram, 16 for 103 and two scores. Alvin Kamara uh, went 13 of 71. He also caught a 37-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Michael Thomas, four for 92 and a score last time. Keith Kirkwood was in the mix. Josh Hiltz, Dan Arnold, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and last time out for Philly, Josh Adams was seven for 53 and a touchdown. He's really the only guy with any stats you want to remember. Uh, maybe Alshon Jeffries, four for 33, but uh, that's nothing to write home about. So it's an entirely different team. I think Scott... Scott brought up the stat earlier where Breeze only had never threw more than a touchdown, hadn't thrown more than a touchdown pass in his last four games. I think with both Brady and Breeze in recent seasons, you've seen a decline in their statistics as we get into December and January, Jim. But with the week off, maybe Breeze is back to Breeze. I, I fully expect him to have a, a breeze type of game. But, you know, I, I'm not discounting Nick, Nick Foles in this. Like Scott said, they're not going to be able to rush the ball. I'd be surprised if they even tried to rush the ball more than 15 times. I think they're going to put him in Foles' hands, and he's going to be throwing all game. Uh, whether it's game script dependent or just game plan dependent, I think either way he's going to play out the same way. The Foles is going to have to throw this ball 40-plus times for them to be in this game. And it's going to come down to, you know, how good is Nick Foles? We're going to find out. But I, I do have one question based on this. I, I mean, the team's already said they're not bringing Foles back. And, again, I, I love this storyline, my favorite storyline in the entire playoffs. They've already said they're not bringing Foles back because they don't want a QB controversy next year. What if, if Foles wins this game, what if, how do, you, how do you still release him without having the fan base go absolutely freaking nuts? God. And then at what point do you start to look at Carson Wentz and think, well, maybe he's the next Sam Bradford? I'll let you comment. 
Yeah, you know, I actually bounced this around with Dane. Like, maybe they can let it go of the wrong quarterback here. And Nick Foles is a proven winner. Uh, Carson Wentz had a great season last year until he until he got hurt. But you know, Nick Foles is already four and zero in playoff games, and it seems like you know Doug Peterson and his crew knows what to do to make him click. Can you imagine with the watered down uh, state of quarterback in the NFL, what they can get back for Carson Wentz in a trade? Yeah, but yeah, really, that would be a big money. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I know you want to I, say something. <laughs> I, I don't. I, 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 it's a much bigger topic than to cover because we're going to go to break in about forty-five seconds or so. But I don't think it's as. I don't think it's that watered down. I actually think it's a little easier to play quarterback now than ever before. And I'm not saying that Nick Foles isn't good, but I think he's a little bit of proof that you don't have to be an elite quarterback. To win a Super Bowl just 10 years ago it looked like you couldn't win a Super Bowl unless you had somebody elite like a Roethlisberger Manning and Brady or uh, on the flip side of Russell Wilson like you need or you needed somebody like that in order to win it but now Nick Foles in the mix and, and other quarterbacks guiding teams to winning records Mitch, Mitch Trubisky who isn't the first guy that rolls off the tongue as far as in league quarterback he put the Bears in a good position this year it's a bigger topic we can do we can talk about it more after the break uh, but we're going to do some prop bets we'll do DFS lineups we'll keep getting through it as we roll along on FST game day edition Mike Blewett Jim Day Scott Engel we'll be right back Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You know, the DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back. Hang on. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head to head and three ball betting tools. PGA Pro Tip, subscriber chat, and more. So go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, choose golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, click on golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. So, Scott, you were saying something? I, I was talking about the state of quarterback in the NFL. I, I guess they would get a haul for Carson Wentz, but wouldn't it? Uh, isn't it at the point already? 
where he's injury prone. He got hurt in college. He's now hurt two seasons that he can't finish in a row. Um, wouldn't that depress the value for him, Scott? No, but look, look, he's so far ahead talent and promise-wise ahead of anybody that's out there that I think people would be willing to take the chance. Do you mean of the incoming quarterback class or just uh, free agency? Incoming, existing quarterback class, because when guys are incoming, they haven't proven anything yeah. yet. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think, I think there would be a haul for him uh, on some level. But, Jim, we're just talking a little bit about Carson Wentz's trade value. Um. I'm just worried if the injury-prone moniker would throw cold water on it, but Scott counters, rightfully so, with the fact that he's shown a lot of promise. He was nearly the MVP of the league last year. I I just wonder if he can finish seasons. Well, that's what everybody's going to be wondering at this point. Two major injuries in two years running. Like I said, I mean, first thought in my mind is Sam Bradford. Can't, you know, talented quarterback, no doubt, but can't stay on the field at any stretch of time. And you have to start wondering if that's going to be the same thing that happens to Carson Wentz. I, I would disagree on the Bradford comparison for for uh, for two reasons. Bradford never played at the level that Wentz did, uh, especially for an extensive period. It's fair. You're, you're talking extensive period. You're talking about not yeah. even one full season. Yeah, but for like it's not what like was he it? did like it for four or five years. For, for, yeah, but still, like Bradford never even did it for like a twelve-game stretch. I he never played that. at that level, never. Yeah, Bradford had some decent games. I, I'm not decent. saying he's ever been. We're talking good. about MVP I, wait, wait, level. I, I, uh, <laughs> did he get the MVP? Did he get there? No, he only got what he deserved, and that was because he didn't finish the season. You get what you deserve, and that's what he got. He didn't get All right, the MVP. Take, those, take those dozen games over what Carson Wentz did and look at Sam Bradford statistically, and he never could compare to that at all, MVP I'm not, or not. Look, I, I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is Bradford was thought to be a very good quarterback. He, he had all the tools, all the talent. You know, whether it came to fruition in the NFL or not, he never really got a chance because he kept getting injured. He never yeah, could but you play saw the a production long slate from Wentz. You saw the production from Wentz. We never saw that from Bradford. If I'm the Eagles, I'm really seriously thinking about keeping Foles because at the very least, he seems to play big in big games. Well, I don't think yep. they can now because now the salary is going to explode on them and they won't be able to do it. It's been easy for them to do it because they have both guys at about seven or $8 million uh, fitting into their cap nicely from an annual salary standpoint. But now, Foles, does Foles become the best free agent quarterback on the market, Scott? Easily, I think. What he's proven. What he, but, you know, they, they, they've not, the best thing they've done about him is they've, they've crafted their playbook to suit him. And if he can, follow, if he can find another team that can do that, uh, he's easily the best, the best guy out there. What's, what's going to be out there? Blake Bortles? Ryan Tannehill? Blacko. Rookies who are un, un, unproven? This, again, with Foles, it's, 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 it's even more than Wentz. Look who this guy is proven. He's, he's a recent Super Bowl-winning MVP quarterback who's 4-0 in the playoffs. And if he loses this week, he's just 4-1. So uh, he would easily be the guy that you want out there. It's Foles, Bridgewater, and Flacco. That's really your free agency class. You can throw other names out there, but those are the guys that would legitimately start somewhere. Is Bridgewater a free agent? I thought, uh, I thought or, he was still under contract. Sorry, he guy that'll be available. I, I should I should have phrased I'm, it. I'm not sure. Will he be available? I think I a lot of people are assuming he's going to be available. But and I'm not saying you, but yeah. 
Uh, I don't know if he will be available because Drew Brees can't play forever. They did trade for him for a reason. I think that's a totally reasonable take. I And I think they, they traded for him initially with that thought in mind. Like, what if Brees doesn't play well this year? He obviously played well. Or but- what if... Go ahead. What if Breeze wins the wins the Super Bowl? Decides it's done for him. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I, I get that point too. Absolutely, they, they brought him in just in case Breeze doesn't want to continue. And I get that. Uh, if Breeze decides he wants to play a couple more years, then maybe they try and see what they can get out of him. I'd love for him to come to the Giants. I, I think very highly of uh, Bridgewater. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me why, and, you know, I, it's not so much tangible evidence. It's just more like I like what I see when he's on the field of his command of the game. He seems to be intelligent, knows what he's looking at. There's a lot of things I like about his game. But one of the names that most people aren't talking about that I think could be quite readily available next year is Nick Bullets. Look, it, the, the kid played Pretty damn well in San Francisco with every with everybody hurt around him. He had no real wide receivers. His top wide receiver was Dante Pettis. Um, you know, Kittle of course played well, but the running backs kept getting injured left and right, left and right, and over and over again. But he still continued to play good football. He he's known to be a very smart football mind. Uh, he's a hardworking kid. The, the coaches rave about him. Man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they try and see what they can get for him. So let me, I'd rather take a shot on him than go with like Tannehill or Bortles. Uh, you know, I agree. Yeah. Totally. Had his good games or... his, I agree. <laughs> he had his good games and his bad games. You know, sometimes when uh, you know, when he got pressured, he made bad throws and bad decisions. But you know, I think he can still be a work in progress. And you made a great point about Breeze. You know, maybe they made the Bridgewater trade just for that reason. We don't know internally why they made the Bridgewater trade exactly. You know, maybe they're feeling that that Breeze could be uh, towards the very end of his career, especially if they win. There was a great article on ESPN the other day about Drew Breeze and his competitiveness. I I suggest everybody read it. I can't remember who the writer is. I'm I'm usually good about giving props to the writer, but it was a host of stories. And Breeze is not interviewed. It's just teammates like Steve Gleason and former roommates and that kind of stuff about his ultra Zach Streif, uh, offensive lineman, uh, about his ultra competitiveness and how driven he is by that. How whether it's football or ping pong or golf, he's just he's at another level of competitiveness. Like when he lost in ping pong, he was obviously practicing to get better so that the next time he played, he would be. He would be a legit uh, ping pong player. It's interesting to to get some insight as to how uh, dedicated he is to that and how he's also a normal, uh, really nice guy. Let me clear clear up the Teddy Bridgewater contract thing. Well, that that article was actually written by Mike Triplett. Great. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Good point. Great, great uh, save there. So uh, it's an awesome article. I I like that kind of stuff to give you some insight into the guy. So here's what happened with the Jets-Saints trade. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater signed a one-year, $6 million contract with the Jets in March of 2018. They made the trade on August 29th. And according to ESPN's Field Yates, the Saints converted $4 million of Bridgewater's contract to a signing bonus. So it paid him out immediately. But then they added voidable years to decrease his cap number by $2.7 million. So if the Saints failed to sign Bridgewater to a new contract, those savings will all count on the 2019 salary caps. So there is some pressure in order to uh, perhaps sign him longer term, but I think technically he's under contract at a, at a very sweet deal for them. But that's the deal. I think 
I think if Brees does win and walks away, that's in some ways an ideal long-term plan if they think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy to do it. I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very interesting guy to be in a free agency discussion, but it still sort of ignores the fact that he had a devastating injury. He's not been the most ultra-productive quarterback in the NFL, and I think there's a, still a little bit of hope attached to Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater as, a, as opposed to fact, Scott. Yeah, he did look really good in the preseason with the Jets, and that's why the uh, but that the is trade, what it is. the trade market went up. It is the preseason, but I, I liked his decision making. I like I like how crisp he looked. I liked how poised he looked. Uh, so there is some potential there. I think. Okay, um, Jim. Any last words? Well, let on... me ask you, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you. Let me ask you. I mean, would you take somebody like Teddy Bridger who? Has you know hope is definitely a big part of it. You hope he can take that next step, but would you take him over some of these other you know guys like Bortles and you know yeah. and 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 yeah. those type of guys that Flacco and you know to me everybody keeps saying all oh, the Jet Giants should go out and get Flacco or you know I, to me that's stupid. Uh, I I don't want a sideways move from a mediocre old quarterback to another mediocre old quarterback. If they're going to make I the agree. move away from Eli, at least get a young guy in there that has some kind of you know hope. In him, yeah. uh, I just don't see it with any of these other reaches. Like I'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater than Flacco or Tannehill or Bortles or any right. of that crew. The retreads of the guys that we know what they are. Flacco's getting older. Tannehill's oft injured. Bortles is Bortles. I, he it's just poor. is a bad decision <laughs> maker. Say, he's an inaccurate <laughs> and he's a poor decision maker. What's interesting about Teddy Bridgewater is that if you find him in the Saints offense long term, I think wrongfully there's a perception that maybe Teddy Bridgewater likes to get out there and run around a little bit because he got hurt in practice when he was scrambling. It's a ridiculous narrative, right? Teddy Bridgewater is actually better when he's in the pocket. And I think if he could be even Drew Brees light, the Saints could be really good with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback and his numbers would look better long-term. People talk about, ah, he's just a system quarterback and all this. Yeah, they all are. Tom Brady's worked yeah. in a bunch of different systems in New England. He's great because he's great. Drew Brees has been a great in a really advantageous system in New Orleans, and it's pushed his statistics up. But he's also great. Like Teddy Bridgewater could be that system quarterback in New Orleans and be really good. I don't think he'd ever be Drew Brees because I don't think he's that good. But uh, if he stayed there, I think his numbers would blow up. If he went to a team where it's a disaster, to use the Jeff Fisher argument again. Then I think his numbers would suck, and and he would be out of league. And people are like, I told you, you jumped on the Teddy Bridgewater bandwagon too early. There's a lot that goes into exactly. it. Is that fair? Totally agree, one hundred percent. Right yes. across the line. Right. So, um, so I'll get off my soapbox about that. But um, so let's do some prop bets. We'll do the coaches stuff on the other side of it. I'll get into these prop bets here. So let's just run down the quarterbacks for today. Tom Brady. Over, well, let me do – I'll do a, a descending yardage total here. Drew Brees as the highest prop bet today. 290 and a half passing yards over under. Scott. Uh, I'm, I am going to say over. Okay. Jim? This is a tough one. I, I could see, you know, this team winning – Winning the game and him not having to throw for 290. So I'm going to take the under. Uh, okay. Um, the numbers are so sharp at this time of year, but I would also take the under. I think they'll win it by, you know, 
I think he, he could throw for 260, 270, but Kamara and Ingram could combine for three touchdowns, and they, and they win this game by two touchdowns. By the way, I have the score in this game. 34 to 20 Saints. So I liked both NFC teams. To I have cover. a 33 to 20. So there you go. I like both <laughs> yeah. NFC teams to cover the favorites to cover. And I liked both dogs. I, I put it on record. So I'm not going to say I, I last minute. I changed my mind. I put it on record. So I lose with the Colts because they did not cover. I thought the Chiefs would win. And I think the pass will win today with the Chargers covering. So that's me. I'll, I'll give you all my scores uh, in the next segment. But there we are. So let's go to the next one. Uh, Nick Foles, 271 and a half. Scott. I'm going to say over. He's 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 got to carry this offense to stay in the game. I think he throws the ball 40 times. Definitely throwing 40 times. I'm right times. with Scott. I totally agree. I think he's going to throw 40 times, but he may Saints. not get to 270. No, I think he's going to have some success against his, his Saints. Okay. defensive backs. I think he can put the ball up there. Yeah, but you love Nick Foles. This has been well established. I mean. Yeah, it's not that I like. Affair. Look, it's not that I love Nick Foles. <laughs> I just love players players that come up big in big games. I love that. You know, it may not be the greatest player of all time, but you get him in that big game, all of a sudden he shines, and that's all he's done. Every time he's gotten a chance to play in a big game, is he's played above everybody's expectations. I love players like that. It is a pretty cool NFL story. Like when you take a step back, and because we do so much diving into it, when you take a step back, it's a really unique nfl story i've seen some people on twitter say it is the weirdest career ever he has the 27 touchdown two interception year then he finds himself with jeff fisher and they can't win and he can't play and then he's a backup it gets a chance and they rip roar all the way through the super bowl and he wins the mvp because he was amazing (laughs) so it's a pretty interesting story all right let's go to the other game tom brady 267 and a half scott I'm going to say over because uh, I think James White is going to help extend his numbers. Okay. I'm going to take the under uh, because if they do win, I, I think it's going to be on the back of these running backs, but I think a lot of it's going to be on Sony Michelle. Um, yeah, him, him running right through that Chargers defense. So uh, I think I'd take the under on Brady. I, uh, I don't like that number. I just, wouldn't bet that one. Yeah. I would not bet that one at all because I think that's pretty close to where he ends up. I, I don't necessarily see a 300-yard game. Um, but yeah, I that's wa- what my thinking is as yeah, well. Yeah, I think I'd stay away from that one. Phil Rivers, 256.5. If he doesn't get there, they got problems. But um, unless Melvin Gordon goes off, which I don't expect. But 256.5, Scott, through Phil Rivers. Uh, I'm going I'm to say over because... If they can't get a running game, he's going to have to throw a lot. Totally agree for both your points. If they want to win, he's got to be over that number. Okay. We'll we'll do the tight ends really quick. Just yes or no. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, 50 and a half receiving yards. Scott. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say no. Uh, You know, especially they put Derwin James on him. He's he's gonna get stifled. Okay, Uh, Jim. Nah. Gronk in big game. Me me like Gronk. Puny humans. <laughs> I'm, I'm going you. over. I think it's a me like Gronk kind of day. I don't know if he goes crazy, but I'll, I'll take the over 50 and a half. How about Zach Ertz, 60 and a half, Scott? Uh, I'm going to say under. Oh, uh, you look at how good the Saints problems. have been against tight ends this year. <laughs> they actually held Ertz to his worst game of the year. Two catches for 15 yards in the first meeting. That spells trouble. If he's throwing 40 times, Foles is throwing 40 times, and Zach Ertz can't get to 60 and a half, they might get killed again, Jim. 
Uh, very possible, but I'll, I'll give you a, a, a crazy prediction, bold prediction, whatever you want to call it. I think Dallas Goddard has more yards today than Zach Ertz. Oh, my God. They're going to lose by 100. <laughs> You're going to lose by 100. This is killing your Nick Foles love affair. No, no. Zach Goddard's going to come up big. Five catches, 60 yards. Got a touchdown touch last week. Big touchdown, by the way. Uh, so that's it. We'll come back. We'll do running backs and wide receivers next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. segment of FST Game Day Edition. Thanks for listening on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app on TuneIn on iHeart. Appreciate you folks tuning in as we get you set up. So, uh, we'll I want to hear the song. Well, yeah, 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 it's good. Scott, uh, Scott, uh, Sean Engel <laughs> producing today. He's rocking out, doing a nice job. So, uh, we'll get back to the props in a second on the running backs and the wide receivers. Um, but just want to get some real quick thoughts on the coaching hires for this week. We, you know, we talked about it uh, during the week on a variety of other shows, but Jim, which uh, coaching hire did you like the best and which one did you like the least? Well, the best is easy for me. Cause I, I love Bruce Arians. Um, I think him going to Tampa Bay. I mean, this offense was good. I, I mean, you could say what you want, but how many weeks did this offense produce a top five quarterback? Quite a lot. At least eight that I know of off the top of my head, probably a little more than that. Um, and, just bringing him in just makes it all that much better. I, I, I've always liked the way he attacks on offense, and, you know, that, that's what I want to see out of an offensive guy. And, uh, you know, bringing him in I, I thought was excellent, especially knowing that now that he has a history with Winston. Winston used to go to his camps when Winston was a kid, um, and they have a history together. They know each other. He's worked with him before. So I, I'm pretty interested to see what he could do with him now. Uh, and the other side of the coin is, you know, Winston isn't going to get away with any of the crap he tries to pull with Arians because Arians won't brook it. You know, it, you, you come up with that stuff in front of him, and he's just going to knock it, your head off your shoulders. So I love that. And then the other the other coaches he brought in with him and, as Todd Bowles, a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I like the Leftwich staff. Is OC. I do like yeah, the staff. Yeah, I think that's going to be excellent staff. It's interesting. I mean, he's, he is a young at heart kind of guy, but is it interesting that he's – He's 66 years old, and he, he's getting this chance. Um, Belichick and Pete Carroll are around the same age as him, but they're long established in their current organizations. So, um, you know, he's a young at heart kind of guy. I'm not being ageist in any way. It just does surprise me when you look at some of the other hires of, you know, 39-year-old first-time head coaches for Arians to, to get the shot here I thought was interesting. I, always, I, I found it curious, Scott, that Jason Lichter, general manager, is still around. This team has finished in last place in their division seven of eight years, but he gets another chance to hire a coach. 
Yeah, uh, but this will probably be his last crack, though. <laughs> it better be. Yeah, that's been said before, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, he's got some dirty pictures of the owner doing things he wasn't supposed to be doing. Look, everything comes to an end at some point. Uh, Marvin You're Lewis right. did. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, yeah. Uh, how about you, Scott? What one do you like the most or the least? Uh, I, I, I already – I probably agree on the one that I like the most that probably but. About Arians, but I've also I've already talked about why I don't like Adam Yates. Uh, I th- I think that was a, just a terrible hire. He w- he was brought in to do the same thing he was supposed to do with the Dolphins that he didn't accomplish. Uh, he ran all their top talents out of town and didn't get the most out of the guys that were in town. He did get them to the playoffs, but then he fell apart. You know this guy is overrated based on one year with Peyton Manning in 2013. That was historic, but that that de- that offense got destroyed in the Super Bowl too. So. So, you know, you have to account for that. He didn't do anything special with Jay Cutler or in Detroit. Uh, I, I just don't see all the hype about Adam Gase. There were better candidates out there. The Jets could have the guy from Baylor, but they didn't want to let him pick his own staff. I'd rather do that than go to Adam Gase. Uh, Mike McCarthy is a proven winner, much more than Adam Gase. So I, I think the Jets I think the Jets hire is, is another 50 years of no Super Bowls. Um. I don't mind the fit that much. I, you, there's plenty of bad to talk about Gase because of the players. And I have said, though, I thought he got caught in the middle of a roster churn. He was churning out the roster. And after three years, they just didn't have enough there. Uh, you could absolutely argue he didn't get enough out of his players. The quarterback, to me, he was hurt all the time. I thought his quarterback situation in Miami was uh, suboptimal. Uh, to use a DFS phrase, um, I think he's got somebody to work with here. So the the fit makes sense to me. He's really going to have to improve. I've seen so many stats about how few plays they run and and all that kind of stuff. And you can't. He's got to be more up tempo. You can't be running fifty five plays a game and, and expect to win in the NFL uh, these days. For the most part, there's some teams that can grind it out like that. The Jets are not that team. Uh, and there's still a lot more talent to go. So McCagnon's got his work cut out for him as well. So uh, good stuff there. I mean, we'll uh, during on other shows throughout the week, we break this stuff down a, a little bit more uh, intensely. Zach Taylor. It Can looks I like just the, get one last. Yeah, it looks word? like the Bengals are waiting on Zach Taylor, which is interesting. The Sean McVay coaching tree is exploding yeah. in front of our eyes with Lafleur going to Green Bay. Uh, which I don't mind, and Zach Taylor going to Cincinnati, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know that enough about Zach Taylor uh, to uh, to really comment. Yeah. But a lot of these guys well, all work he, in the same he had the he had the one important thing on his resume that he needed. Do you do you know McVeigh? Yeah. Yes. Good. You're hired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the the one other. You know that nobody's really talking about a lot. I I love the fact that the Browns stayed with Freddie Kitchens. I, I love what he did with Mayfield and, and like what he too. did with that offense and turned it around. And man, I, I'm glad they gave him the chance. Now I'm not saying that Greg Williams wasn't worthy of that chance as well because it was still under him. Um, but you know they decided that they wanted to move away from that, and I'm glad they went with Kitchen instead of bringing somebody else in. I think that works to uh, Baker Mayfield's you know bonus. Yeah, and I think some people are concerned, Scott, that they let Greg Williams go when he had done such a good job. But I think in that kind of environment where one guy is being elevated and the interim being demoted, I think it's best to kind of move on and build your own staff. Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, they wanted to pretty much 
just clean the slate and let him pick his people and uh you know because Greg Williams it's it's just like an uncomfortable situation uh and Greg Williams you know, already found a job somewhere else so 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 he'll be fine yeah uh so is Greg Williams to the Jets official I don't think it's official yet. Everybody expects it to happen, but I don't think it's actually official yet. Got it. Well, we're, we're getting Unofficially, it. Unofficially, he's, fa- he's found another job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if not that at one, least, at least At least another. the defense will be pretty good. Yeah. You know, if not that one, he'll find some one somewhere else. He deserves to find one. Yeah, he, he, he coached well this year. It's a guy that's obviously had some stuff in his background that's <laughs> not favorable. I think it's hard to hire him as a head coach. I, I think that's why he doesn't get real – opportunities there because in, in this day and age you announce him as your head coach you already got a lot of questions to answer you know what i mean jim yep yeah, i totally agree social media at its worst yeah i i just don't you know, think that, he, that's i don't think he could get a head in. job <laughs> I, I i think any organization does not want to put does not want to take those bullets uh, immediately upon hiring you'll hear the audio tapes over and over and over again about him talking about bounties on players and i, I just don't think uh, this is the environment for him to get a head and coaching job anymore. Uh, he seems like he's maybe a few more years, you know, know if we get a few more years away from it, maybe he gets another shot, but I'm with you. I mean, it, it's going to, somebody's going to really be desperate. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get back to the prop bets here. We'll, uh, we'll go with the running. We'll go with the wide receivers right now. Scott, you uh, answer these first. We'll go again. Uh, I'll just take them game by game. Julian Edelman, 70 and a half. And Keenan Allen, the same number, actually. So do Edelman and Allen at the same time. Both of them have tough quarterback matchups, but I just feel like Edelman has to step up, so I'll go over. I'm going to go under with Keenan Allen. I believe he, he's only cracked 80 yards once in his last six games. Agree on both. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. That sucks. That means we're both we're all wrong. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not <laughs> going to work. How out often well. this year have we all agreed on the same thing? Well, I didn't agree with you guys on Dion Lewis back in like week five, but you oh, convinced Jesus me and it Christ. screwed we're me. I probably still that. I probably would have won uh, my Scott Fishbowl division had that not happened. Anyway, uh, all right, uh, other guys. Be a the- man. You make your own decisions. <laughs> other, other guys in that uh, in that game. Chris Hogan at thirty three and a half. Uh, Scott and Jim, real quick. Uh, I'm going to go under. He, he, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he shows up. I, I have no faith in Chris Hogan at all. I, I, coming into the season, I thought he'd do a little something. Man, he, he's just been abominable. I, I can't go. I can't bet on him in, in right. any way, shape, or form. Both Chargers wide receivers. Tyrell Williams at 24.5. Mike Williams at 44.5. Scott, you said there could be something there for Mike Williams, right? Or Jim, one of you. Mike Williams could triple that. It'll at least double that. And Tyrell Williams is the under. Yeah. Jim? I actually like both of them to go over. Again, if Charge isn't going to win, I think these guys, both of these guys need to step up because Allen is going to have a tough game. So I think both of these guys go over. Uh, Look, it's one big play for Tyrell to get over 24 and a half yeah, yards. Yeah, one catch for him. Doing all year. Yeah. Uh, Mike Thomas at 82 and a half. Ted Ginn at 48 and a half. Scott. Uh, I'm going to go over for both, especially Ginn. Jim? Uh, I'm right there, too. I, I agree. I think both of these guys go over. Okay. Um, and here's a guy I like, actually. Nelson Aguilar at 38 and a half. If we're talking about Foles throwing 40 times and them having to stay in the game, and I, I have the total at 54 points. Somebody's got to catch that ball, and it's not just going to be Jeffrey and Ertz. Uh, I think Aguilar over 38.5 I like. Uh, Jeffrey at 64.5. 
I think that's probably that's a sharp number. So how about you, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say over. Uh, he showed some potential late in the regular season. Uh, scored three times in his final three games. I think also Jeffrey has a good day. But if they're going to throw a lot, Aguilar is going to have to get involved. And I think they throw a lot. And Jeffrey, I'm going to go with the over. Both of these guys. Okay. I okay. just think they have to to win. They have to be over. Got it. Uh, and lastly, Keith Kirkwood. Uh, actually, let's go Golden Tate at 40 and a half. Keith Kirkwood at 24 and a half. Scott. I'm going to say under for both of them. Uh, Tate showed up with a big catch last week, but he's going to disappear again this week. With Gid back, I'm, I'm not expecting anything from Kirkwood. Yeah, I, I mean, Kirkwood is Kirkwood. He, he could easily beat that with a couple of plays, but he could easily have zero for zero, too. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't touch that. Golden Tate, uh, you know, I'd want to say the over. Look, he, he's such a good wide receiver. I can't understand why they're not getting him more involved in the game plan, but they're just not. Um, should he go over? I think he should. Could I bet that? I couldn't. I, can't, I just can't. Okay, <laughs> we'll do the running backs uh, real quick. Sony Michelle, 61 and a half, over, under. Just say over, under. Over. Over. Okay, same. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 55 and a half. Rushing. Double. Both over. No, I think it does most of his through the air. Oh, you're under. Okay, Jim. All right, so on that front, Alvin Kamara, uh, scrimmage yards, 94 and a half, Scott. Well over. Jim. Yeah, over. I love that one. Yes, over. Same. Uh, And Mark Ingram, 42 and a half rushing yards. Under. Over. Okay, it's split. I'm going to go over. So that's uh, our call there. Last guy, Darren Sproles combined 47 and a half. Over. Oh, that's such a tight number. Damn. Uh, I want to say over. I'm going to go with over, but man, that's a tight number. So I don't need to break a tie there. All right, let's do our scores here, guys. I'll kick it off. Uh, I had the, the AFC game close. I'm going to go 24 21 Pats. I think it's a little bit too much. I think the Chargers can compete, uh, but I think the Pats can get a, a three-point win here. I'm not necessarily predicting a last-second Koskowski field goal to win it, but I think it's, uh, you know, the Chargers are in it uh, but fall just short. Scott, how about you? Yeah, I think, you know, this game, might we might see a lot of three-and-outs. We might see uh, a low-scoring first half. Both of these teams, I think, are capable defensively, but I think ultimately uh, the Patriots are going to pull it out 23-17. to 17. Look, when was the last time the Patriots were involved in, in a game slate in the playoffs and they were the lowest point total on the board? Yeah. Um, they are definitely not expecting a lot of points in this. Uh, the, you know, I, look, I, at the very least, I'm taking the Chargers with the points, but I'm going to say it here. I think the Chargers win outright. Oh, boy. How about the score? I, I'm going to go with a score of, like, something uh, I want to say 24-21. That's exactly what I have, but I have the Pats winning. Uh, so we all have the under in that game. Should be noted. The under is forty. The total is forty-seven. We all have the under there. Uh, all right. I'm going to kick it off. I said earlier, and Scott said his score earlier. I think the Saints have a comfortable win here, thirty-four twenty. I could see that twenty being a little bit of garbage time. You know, this is a twenty-one point game. The Eagles score late to make it thirty-four twenty to push it over. Uh, so the total is 51 and a half in that game. I think the Saints cover, and it goes over 34-20. Scott already said Saints 33-20. Uh, do you see the game flow playing out the way I did, Scott? Kind of comfortable, but maybe some garbage points? 
Uh, I think it'll be close for about two and a half quarters, and then uh, th- maybe three, and, and then the Saints will pull away when it counts. All right, Jim. Uh, I think uh, you know Saints are going to win the game, but I think Philly's going to cover that eight points. So I'm going to go with the score of, let's see, I'll say, uh, ooh, I'm going to go a little crazy here. How about thirty-three, thirty-one? Wow, that would be a hell of a way to end the divisional playoff weekend if we get a thirty-three, thirty-one. Eagles Saints game, nobody can be disappointed about that. That would be uh, fantastic. Uh, so, uh, good stuff, guys. Um, we've been doing this each and every week. I think we probably have one more week after this uh, with this schedule. So, um, to your award nominations, congrats once again. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, okay. Uh, so, we've done all the predictions we can do. Give me one crazy one, Scott. You're pulling out of nowhere. You're like, this guy is going to have a big game that nobody expects. You said Mike Williams might triple that effort. So that seems like your Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a big game from like uh, like a, like seven catches for like 130 yards and two touchdowns. How do you think the Pats are going to win if he does something like that? Because yeah, Keenan really. Allen will be shut down and <laughs> Melvin Gordon will be shut down? Is that why? We always see big games from, losing, from players on losing teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would lead me to believe that's like a I like it. I like it. I hope it happens. That's interesting. You're not going to see anything much from Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen. You know, somebody's got to pick it up if they're going to if they're going to they're going to score 20 points. Somebody's got to do it. Jim, no, no, I I, I agree. Somebody's got to do it. You're right, Jim. Uh, one from no you. No doubt about it. Um, I, I'm I'm going back to what I said earlier. I think Dallas Goddard is one has big game. I think they they get on Ertz. They they try and take Ertz out of the game, and as they're doing it, Foles turns around and throws it to Goddard. So that's it. Uh, Jim has uh, the Chargers winning outright. I have the Chargers losing but covering. God has the Patriots covering. We're all under on the Eagles Saints game. Scott and I have a nearly identical prediction of over the number and the Saints covering 3420 to me, 3320 for Scott. <clears throat> and then Jim has a 3331 fantasy bonanza, <clears throat> which I hope happens because there's a lot of duds yesterday if you didn't have CJ Anderson, Todd Gurley, and Damian Williams. Uh, props to Kelsey and Hill as well. But it's me, Corey, and Gabe next on Lineup Lock Live. Thanks for listening. And good luck today in your DFS formats, your playoff formats. We're out. Can't